Hello and welcome to episode 13 of When the Flames Go Up, the ATFC podcast with me, Will Brown. 13, unlucky for some, they say. Unlucky for Aldershot at the weekend. That's that's the segue we're going with as they lost 4-1 away at Southend. We'll, uh, we'll go into it with the panel, which is going to be myself, Julian, Joe and a debutante for this evening is Ashley. Um, so we'll get his thoughts and the panel's thoughts on uh, on the week gone and the week coming up, Oxford City away, to look forward to at the weekend. Uh, before that, we've had an email in from Sean Merriman, which went to my spam folder. Um, it's to do with the lone players 11, um, or the lone players who've fallen in love with 11. It's, it's caused, I'm going to say it, consternation on the uh, Facebook page. Um, plenty of comments, we'll go through them after. Uh, Sean says, I've attempted to put a team based on lone players since I returned to the conference. I've excluded anyone who later joined us permanently, e.g. Kinsella, Fowler, Glover. What a, what a, what a trio. Um, so there are a couple of ropey calls. It's gone for 4-3-3, as we know, the best formation for lone player 11s. He's gone with Lewis Ward in goal, Haji Minoga, Dion Conroy, Gabe Osho, Shadrach Oji. Gundo Benu, Adam May and Jack Powell in the central midfield positions with what a front three this would have been uh, had they been in form um, altogether um, in the team. Corey Andrews, Nicky Cabamba and Fabian Robert. Um, so, yeah, there's a few There's a few that he's also said at the end here. Edit, I've realised I've included nobody pre-Waddock. Adam Webster, probably unlucky. Giorgio Rosulo and Dippo Akinyemi, less so. Now, th- th- those two may go into our next uh, all- all-time all 11, which is players you'd forgotten have played for Aldershot. Dippo Akinyemi is an absolute, what a shout that is. It's going straight on the spreadsheet. Uh, so thanks for getting in touch. I'll also just run through some, some Facebook comments while we're here, while we're here, because uh, Chris Heath, how do none of Sinclair Armstrong, Aidan O'Brien, and Jake Robinson get a mention here? Furious. Um, and it, it, it swap out Fowler and movement over to the right and put Dion Conroy in as well. I tried to get Dion Conroy in as well in the in the pod, to be fair. Um, honorable mentions for Oli Bozinak, Oyelecki, and Adam Webster. Uh, a man after my own heart, Chris. Um, he's also come back again, to be fair. He's commented again. He's Maybe he's most of the interactions. Gabe Osho and Adam May. Max Hunt, Jack Powell. Uh, Sinclair Armstrong also gets a, a, a fair few shouts on here as well, which is good fun. Yeah, so that that's that was a lone player. I just wanted to cover those little bits. Um, good fun. Uh, the next one, well, I don't know when we're recording it, but, but very soon. So if you've got any forgotten players that you you say to people and they can't believe they've played for Orshan, these are the people that we want. And then we're going to debate them. We'll all bring kind of a, an 11. I'll bring an 11 of combined uh, my own thoughts and also your thoughts. And then whoever's on the panel will bring their 11. And we'll debate who is the most forgettable slash forgotten player in each position. Uh, likely to be a 4 3 3 again, I reckon. Um, so, yeah, send those into atfcpodcast at gmail.com. I'll pick them up. Anyway, that's enough of me rambling on about. Lone Player 11s. Thanks for getting in touch. Please send in your correspondence to that to that email I just mentioned. And here's the episode. Enjoy. Right. 
here we are uh, to discuss the Southend away game um, for this evening. We've got Joe, Ash and Julian on the panel. Um, so the weekend's result was as follows. Um, Josh Stokes in the 19th minute, finishing off um, uh, Toledge's saved effort. Um, and then a kind of relatively easy first half. Um, 51st minute, though, things things took a turn. So Roland Meniesi sent off from the resulting free kick. Harry Cardwell followed up. Um, Geordie's spilled save. And then four minutes later, centre-back Ollie Kensdale uh, scored on his 100th appearance. Uh, got mad of the match and came off with a kind of headband or bloodied nose. Uh, he scored again. And 90 plus three, and then oh no, he, I don't think he did. Google said he did. It was that other guy, Marcus Dacas, then scored to finish it off. The big lanky guy. Um, so we ended up four one. Um, I'm going to come to you first, Ash. Ash's first appearance on the pod. Um, he's going to tell us a bit about his uh, shot supporting and uh, his overall thoughts on the South End result. Yeah, um, I started supporting Aldershot um, when I moved to the local area. Um, 2001, I moved up in the local area. Um, I lived before that in Kent, so still watched a lot of non-league football around that area because there's hardly any league teams. Um, at the time, my dad took me down to Aldershot just to see um, how the atmosphere is, straight in the East Bank. Loved it ever since, really. It's just identifies with me quite a lot. Um, going on to South End. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's hard to say we were in control of the game. Um, in my opinion, I think going through, um, I think Stokes was going through the middle. I think the referee bottled a red card. In my opinion, I think he bottled it in front of 6,000 fans, South End, and then went up the other end and a challenge that wasn't even going towards a goal. He decided to give that red card. It's just no consistency, in my opinion. And then we just kind of fell on, fell apart after that. It felt like we were trying to hang on and hang on. And then the 2-1, we tried pushing for the draw and it went down to the 4-1. Yeah, I think yeah, it's worth mentioning the uh, the Josh Stokes kind of break through uh, the defence. Um, his one, there's there's a possibly a point for a covering defender um, who's, who's on the left, left-hand side. Um, and then as uh, Roli Maniezi, Chases down Danny Waldron for the uh, the red card. He's 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 heading towards the uh, left hand side of the box. Um, I'll come to you next, Joe. Uh, what are your overall thoughts on the game and 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 the, I suppose that red card, which seemed crucial. Yeah, it was. Um, it's a really frustrating game, actually, wasn't it? To from half time to full time, very very different feelings. Um, I thought that at half time, it's one of the rare occasions where I actually felt, despite we weren't the fact we weren't really dominating the possession I felt really comfortable in the fact that we weren't and that we were going to go on to win um and then five minutes after that <laughs> it's totally different um yeah I, I agree with what Ash said there about the um red card decision I think Stokes I think Stokes probably perhaps the only reason I think referee hasn't given it is he thinks Stokes has dived I, I, I can't see any reason that he would give that decision without thinking that because if not, it's a clear foul and it's ending off, um, which is a real shame because I think Stokes normally doesn't go down unless he has to because he's actually really good through one-on-one and he would have been if he hadn't gone down. Um, so massive shame. And then it goes up the other end, took an age to give a red card. Um, normally when it takes that long, you don't see the red produced. Um, you would have thought if he thought that was a red card, it would come out straight away. 
Um, I don't know whether he's chatted to the assistant referee who's, you know, may perhaps said it's the last man, but it is so clearly not the last man. He was going away from goal. So I thought, well, I don't know what the full rules and the letter of the law is, but I just do not see in any way, shape or form, how he's given that as a red card. Um, and it's changed the game. And um, from there, we've, I mean, if we're going to criticise our, our team slightly, and it's, I think, slightly warranted in this instance, we've probably lost our heads a little bit because in, in anger. Um, but us as fans watching it, I think, did. So I can't really blame the players um, with what's on the line at the moment. Uh, it's a real shame because yeah, game really was a game of two halves, and um, yeah, gutted really. Yeah, yeah. So a few a few points there. I I did say the uh, when Stokes went down, I did think he'd he'd kicked his leg out to the right to make to make sure contact was made. There was contact was coming regardless. Um, and but the fact that no free kick was given, it was a throw in, was um, the most infuriating thing because it's still a foul. Even if there's no, um, no red or yellow card coming, um, yeah. And what was the other thing I was thinking? Uh, oh, last man. I I spoke to my friend Curtis, who's a ref. Um, he says last man is a myth. It's basically never been in the rules. Apparently, uh, I might be misquoting him there, but it's it's denying an obvious goal scoring opportunity, which is I guess the point we we're both making. Where he's um, Danny Waldron is definitely going away from goal. So, coming to you, Julian, to uh, to kind of round off our thoughts um, on the on the uh, result and the referee's decision there. Yeah, thanks. Well, it was um, it was a really interesting one for me because I wasn't uh, fortunate enough to be at the game. But um, I, what I did is I actually decided to listen to a part of the game through BBC uh, Essex uh, just to hear what they were saying about the game. I always find it really interesting to to see whether there's any bias or, or anything like that. And as soon as Josh Stokes went through, the Essex guys said, we're in trouble here. That That is that is a, a foul, it's a free kick, a, a card all day long. Um, so, you know, and that's the opposition radio team saying that. And then, of course, the next three minutes turned into, you know, the, uh, what I can only describe as... That's chaotic from our point of view. Um, but again, exactly the same commentary from from BBC Essex. They, uh, as as many as he was taking them away from goal, um, they were absolutely shocked that a red card was given too. Um, so, and, and you know that's from the opposition, really. Although they say they're impartial, they're not, are they? So, yeah, it um, certainly by listening to it, it felt like we'd been hard done by and. Unfortunately, once that had happened, you know, the tempo of the game changed, everything changed. And, OK, there were still some mistakes made by us, but and it certainly wasn't a 4-1 result either at the end of it. So a mixed sort of feelings at the end of the game, because normally when we lose 4-1, I'm of the opinion that, right, that's it, season over. We've got no chance of picking this up. But you know, we've mentioned it a couple of times before. This this bounce back ability that that the shots have got at the moment, um, and we're obviously going to come on in a minute to talking about the midweek games as well. Um, I was actually able to reasonably enjoy my weekend, uh, which is unheard of for a four-one defeat, because I've just got so much confidence in these players, and 
you know, they, they never know when they're beaten. And, and also Tommy's interview was really interesting afterwards too. You know, he was, he very rarely mentions the refs, um, but he was um, threatening to, to watch the whole game with, with someone, uh, you know, from the, from the refs uh, point of view and, and talk them through it. But the other thing I want, wanted to just make out, the other point I wanted to make out was that I honestly think it does even itself out over the season. You know, you talk to any other team and they'll all say we've had nine points taken away from us through shocking decisions. So you know, we're all in the same boat. I was, I was um, on the Woking message board last night. Uh, they were moaning about a shocking refereeing and they won the game. So, you know, we we all like to have a moan about the rest. OK, it was pretty dire on Saturday, but you ask any team in our league and, and the supporters will say we all should have, we've all lost nine points along the way. So I think it evens itself out over the season. But uh, yeah, to, to summarise it, I'm really, yeah, it hasn't changed my thoughts on, on the season so far. And, and I really think we've got, um, got every chance of, of staying in the playoffs at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, it's just reassuring even when we're two, one down with 10 men that we, we continue to play the same way and I mean, Toledge has a half chance. We create a, a fair few, a couple of corners in there, some deep free kicks, and there's a chance. There's generally a chance sometimes um, when you when we're down to ten men. Um, it's a bit like Luton um, City, really. I mean, there was there was a chance. I mean, if City had an off day, Arlen Harland had an off day, they might have won four three. Um, but had they just sat back all game, they would have lost six or seven nil. So uh, great stuff. And also, yeah, just want to mention. Yeah, Stokes's miss in the first half um, from Toladge's crashing effort off the bar. Um, if we'd been 2 0 up, I mean, that that seemed like the game was there because although Southend had a lot of the ball, um, they were doing precious little with it. Um, and also want to mention that uh, Josh Stokes, last time Josh Stokes scored in a game, an old shot one in the league was 11th of November, 1 0 at home to Kidderminster. So it's uh, been a while, been a while since he's. Uh, He's done, and also Julian to mention because you said he does. He rarely mentions the uh, the refs, um, but I, I did have a quick look at the FA suspensions thing just to see. I was looking at Roland's uh, red card, um, which is is a one game ban. Um, Tommy Tommy's on eight yellows for off the field things, but also Josh Stokes is on eight, so he's two off. I think getting another suspension. So uh, yeah, something to look out for if he's if he. Uh, if he keeps time. Do we know? Time. Do we know? Well, when the um, the final date for suspensions is because they they know there's a normally a cutoff, isn't there? If you've had right, I'm just going to step in here because I've had a look. So you accumulate ten cautions in 37 games, up to and including, then you get a two match suspension. So Josh Stokes on eight, we played 35. If he gets a yellow in the next two games, he will be suspended for two games. There you go. Um, and as Julian alluded to there, we, we can probably move on to the midweek results and, and what it all means to the season. Um, I'll quickly run through those. So we had Woking against Gateshead, as Julian mentioned. They were 2-1 down, 1-3-2. Um, that went into like the 90 plus 12 with Jermaine Anderson getting a red card um, after coming on in like the 85th minute. So uh, that was good. Uh, Southend won again. They beat Ultram 2-1. Ultram now lost four on a bounce. Rochdale beat Wildstone 3-0 at home. Chesterfield um, beat Barnett 2-0 away. Oldham 
beat Eastleigh 2-1 away and Kidderminster in a turn up have won six out of eight and uh, beat Solihull away. So uh, those are the results. A couple of crucial ones for for shots, really. Um, so we're just down one more place. We went into the weekend in fifth, as we mentioned last week. Went down to sixth after the defeat, and now we're in seventh, uh, one point inside the playoffs. So I'm going to come to you back to you first, Ash. Um, how did you see those kind of midweek results and the kind of playoff picture for Oldershot at the moment? Well, um, as I say, it's strange thinking that Woking are doing us favours by beating the teams around us. They can keep doing that as long as they remain in the bottom four, let's say that. Um, You've got, um, I think everyone's just beating each other at the moment. And as soon as those gaming hands level out, I think we'll be in a very good position. Looking at the teams around us, um, and they're saying Bromley's a hard place to go away from home. We've beaten uh, Bromley away. Um, Barnet was a close, very close game. Solihull, Kidderminster of done those away um gates heads the only one that we haven't been tested against away from home um oldham that was right at the beginning of the season the team hadn't gelled um i don't think halifax will be there at the end of the season i can't see where their goals are going to be for it and i think Altrincham are going to slowly slip away uh, i don't think hartlepool and rochdale have got really i don't think they'll be in there at the end so i think even if we finish sixth or seventh we've got a really good chance providing that we get results like we will against Oxford, in my opinion, and going into the playoffs towards the end of the season, we've still got to play all the other teams at home, which is going to be a massive advantage for us going into those last few games. I think it's something that I mentioned last week, or I think in the pod, um, about kind of our record against the teams around us, which which is is very favourable. Um, Oldham kind of... Is is the kind of outlier there, as you mentioned, um, Joe? How do you how do you see it down to seventh, but still feeling positive? Um, I'm feeling apprehensive, but still slightly optimistic. Um, I think Ashley said you're sort of not sure where Halifax will get their goals from, but I think one of their strengths is they're not conceding much, um, and I think they're grinding out results at the moment. Um, and we'd all sort of written them off. I think we'd written them off a couple of weeks ago after we went away and beat them and thought they weren't that great. And they sort of hung on in there and had a mini resurgence. And it's often those teams just below that had a sort of slightly big points gap to make up. They often sneak in. Um, so I don't think we should fully write them off yet because um, we don't want to eat our words come the end of the season. So, But uh, I'm slightly surprised by Altrincham's drop-off. Um, I thought one of the best football insides in the league and they've been occupying that uh, space in the top seven for pretty much the whole of the season. Um, so as an Altrincham fan, um, I'd be really worried just the fact that the timing of the dip, um, looking at how Solihull are doing as well. A few people had written them, written them off um, after January because they'd lost some key players, um, but they're hanging on in there as well. So um, it really is, like I said, so everyone's beating everyone. And um I think if people are starting to look at the National League playoff race now as one of the most sort of interesting ends to the season. Um, similarly to I think the League Two one is is quite interesting as well when you look at that. But um yeah, I, our goal difference again is I said it worried me a few weeks back, but I think now I don't really care. Um, because it's so bad that I don't think anyone's whether we're gonna lose out on goal difference or not, it's not really something we need to factor in now because because it's that bad. There's no point trying to save it. And I think Tommy's almost realised that when you look at when we went down to 10 men on on Saturday, 
Um, he just like chucked on another striker and just went gung ho for half an hour. Um, so better to lose four one going for it. And I think from a fan's perspective, we that four one looks um worse if you weren't following the game. Um, because we did just go for it, and I think in times gone by we would have done damage limitation. But um, on another day, we 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 pull one back and we we get a, perhaps get a point in that game. So, yeah, really interesting playoff race um, and stuff the goal difference. <laughs> yeah, so our nearest our nearest kind of goal difference competitor is Halifax, who are on plus three. Um, I don't know what plus is, by the way. I don't agree with it. Um, we're so that means we're nine goals off them. Um, so yeah, we're gonna have to need some huge results to uh, come close to needing that at any point. Um, and Julian, how did you see the kind of midweek results and in context of our defeat of the weekend? Yeah, I, I'm surprised to be honest that we're still in the playoffs, uh, but but that's really down to the sort of inconsistency I think of the other teams. You know, we had yesterday we had Solihull, um, Altrincham, Gateshead, and Barnet all losing. And I've always been an advocate of having the points in the bag because I think it does put pressure on teams. You know, Joe mentioned Altrincham. Uh, they've got to win their game in hand now to go above us, and, and that's always going to be pressure. Um, I was really guilty of writing Halifax off, I think probably the last podcast, um, but they've won their last four games. And as Joe said, Altrincham have lost their last four, so they've, you know, they've made huge strides and and also with regard to conceding, uh, they've only conceded 39 goals, whereas we've conceded 66. So, yeah, that, so that sort of tells a story in itself, really, of how we, we go about our games. But um, I'd much rather be us than them. And I think I agree with Ash as well. And I think, you know, the, the others will potentially drop off and I can't see a, a late challenge from uh, anyone below Altrincham at the moment so uh, I think it's in our hands I think it's in our hands you know we've got to go and do what we normally do score one more than them and I think we'll we'll get enough points to to get into the top seven uh, I was trying to have a look the other day to see previous years of what has been good enough to get into the top seven I don't know whether anyone's done some research on it but it looks to me as if it's going to be something like 75 points so if you can work on 75, I think we're going to be we're going to be absolutely fine. And any more than that obviously takes you further up into the playoffs, which then, as as Ash alluded to, gives you, you know, gives you a better chance uh, in the playoffs. But um, I'm really, you know, once, if we end up in the playoffs, uh, I think it's up for grabs. It really is. There's no one in there that apart from perhaps Gateshead, who, who worried me a little bit, but there's no one else in there that I don't think you know, we could stand toe to toe with. So uh, Come uh, come the final on May the fourth, um, we'll all be uh, all be cheering at Wembley. I'm sure. Brilliant, yeah. I hope you've all got your playoff eliminated dates locked in because uh, there's different dates for depending on what position we're in. So uh, book them both off. Make sure you're free. Um, so yeah, as you said, said there, it's kind of you know if we finish higher, it's better. We're we're three points off Solihull, who are on 57 points, and crucially on the same amount of games as us. Uh, so. You know, we are just one win, one win and nine, no, one win and 14 goals away from uh, being fourth. So, you know, and also as, as Joe was mentioning about the, the league looking good, kind of the playoff playoff wise, I mean, Woking a 22nd, but 
three points off 17th. So, I mean, the relegation battle is it's heating up as well. It's um, really tasty. It's really it's tasty. I was just going to mention, yeah, just before you mentioned it, the um, the relegation battle. One of my good friends is a York City fan and he's oh. <laughs> he's absolutely bricking it. Um, although they've just um, sacked their manager um, and brought in Adam Hinshelwood, um, who, if you follow the National League South at all, um, is basically a goal-scoring manager and Worthing have been one of the most exciting teams in that league. And um, I think York's biggest problem is they just scored like one goal a game or drew nil-nil. And it um, be really interesting to see whether they kick on or whether they still struggle. But I think with some of the players they've got in that squad, if he can get them firing, they'll probably pull away. But um, I think the other really interesting one down there is Kidderminster. Um, they're still somehow still in the relegation zone. It shows how far adrift they were because they've, I think since Phil Brown came in, they've won six out of eight or something like that. And um, which is quite amazing really considering how, yeah, how, how they were totally written off. Um, but yeah, I think it could be anyone from 14th down still could probably still get relegated, which I think, if you're a betting man, would um, be very interesting. <laughs> I saw uh, Joe. I saw something on the um, on the internet today saying that if the league started when Phil Brown was appointed, they'd be second. So uh, it'd only be like Chesterfield that would be above them. So yeah, and they started that off against us, I think, didn't they? So you've got to give them credit. They've actually made a couple of really good signings as well this week. Um, uh, Jay Emanuel, who's got uh, a really good EFL pedigree. Um, he was reasonably um, uh, a good goal scorer. And I've seen that um, he wasn't much liked at Aberdeen. They thought he was rather lazy. But, you know, you, you're signing players like that. You've got to give yourself a chance. So, you know, it's difficult to see, like you said, with York at the moment on the down. It's difficult to see how they're going to, they've got to do something big to to really pull it round for sure. Yeah, and uh, Adam Hinchwood obviously uh, played played for Oldershot a few times. I think eight, 18 times in, I'm going to say, 09-10, maybe, something like that. According to Wikipedia. Come on, get in. Yeah, I remember being so excited about him because I used to sign him on FIFA when he was at Brighton. Proper tower in centre-half. Um, great. So obviously we're mentioning the relegation teams and who's you know likely to stay up. There's probably one team that are cast adrift now in 24th, uh, which is Oxford City, our opponents on Saturday. Um, so their manager is Ross Jenkins, former Watford midfielder. Um, it says on his Wikipedia, it's quite much thought it was quite funny. Like they make it clear, not a relation of the other Ross Jenkins that uh, won Watford Player of the Season twice in the late 70s and 80s and early 80s. So just make sure you've got that in your head before Saturday. Uh, Josh Parker's their top goal scorer with 11. And um, the stadium is just four miles from the station. They make it sound like a hop, skip and a jump. Um, so it's mainly going to be the 14A bus for you lot uh, that are going. So I'm going to come to you, Ash. How are you feeling ahead of this one, which is um, the third time we're playing a team bottom of the league and... The previous ones were Kidderminster, 4-1 defeat, and Bishop Stortford, a 6-1 defeat. Yeah, it's not a great record, is it? It's, I've been to, I went to both and, yeah, felt bad about both of them. Um, I think what it is, is we've got to go there and just not underestimate them. And I don't think Tommy will allow it, especially at this time of the season and what's happened before. 
I think we have to take into account it's going to be the 3G, 4G pitch. Um, I think that will make a massive difference to the way we play. Um, we obviously played them first game of the season. Um, very high scoreline there. I can't see it being any different because they're going to be, they've got nothing to lose by just going gung-ho against us. And I think it will suit us. Um, so if we're looking for a score prediction, I'll go 3-2. I reckon 3-2 all the shot. Be narrow, but I think we'll get it. Nice. Yeah, yeah. I suppose, uh, as you said, that uh, the 3G, 4G, um, it's good practice for Bromley if we uh, if we go there again in the in the playoffs. So, um, yeah, uh, and I'll come to you, Joe. How are you feeling about Oxford City away? Yeah, I mean, obviously, the first time we played them this season was, I think, we were a bit of an unknown quantity, weren't we? And we really sort of arrived with a bang, um, and so. Looking at their results for the rest of the season, they just really haven't kicked on. I mean, they conceded seven goals against Dagenham. So I was about to say that's embarrassing, but I think, didn't we concede nearly seven goals against Dagenham once? So uh, We, we uh, mention it every week, I swear. <laughs> so, yeah, um, all the best teams concede <laughs> that many goals against Dagenham. So, yeah, and they conceded five against Eastleigh. Um, and all good teams concede five against Eastleigh. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. So, yeah, they they really haven't kicked on. Um, their defence looks very poor um, and they, they're not really scoring much at all. But it's again, I think like Ash says, Tommy's going to prepare them this time to hopefully really go out and not take it for granted that it's going to be a win. Um, I think not many times this season, I would say I'm confident of three points, but I'll stick my neck out and say, I think we will win this game. Um, you can caption that and that's big. repeat it back next week. That's big. If you're, if you're saying that, then we're, we're in. <laughs> We're in. Um, so yeah, they've they've uh, gained one point in the last five. Um, so they're fully in their relegation um, era at the moment, uh, form wise. Um, Julian, how are you? How are you feeling ahead of this one? Um, yeah, I'm feeling good. I think we'll be okay. They are probably the only team in the the bottom five or six that haven't kicked on. So they have fallen away over the last uh, few weeks. I'm just hoping that they are already preparing for National League North for next season and, and that they're just, you know, if we, if we can get the first goal, uh, I'm really hoping that their heads will drop and, and then we'll sort of go on and score two or three. So um, score prediction, similar to Ash, I think we'll get three, uh, but it'll be 3-1. Are Oxford going to be in the North? I mean, I know I live in Devon, so everything's North to me, but... <laughs> it's where they were... When they won the league last time, or, or got promoted from, I think. Oh no, I think they were south. Yeah, they, they, they were in the south, but it is that yeah. sort of point where they might be shoved in because Gloucester got put into the north. Yeah, it? it's the yeah, brain tree as the, well. If you look at the bottom four at the moment, then there's going to be a heavy weighting towards the south again, potentially. So I think, unfortunately, it's a bit like Bishop Stortford. They always get a bit peeved, don't they, when they end up in the national north? Um, but I think that Oxford would probably be there. Uh, North has already got uh, Banbury and Brackley. So, yeah, I think um, they'd probably end up there. I think Gloucester are on their way down as well, so they'll need uh, need replacing. But, yeah, it does sound odd, doesn't it, Joe, that they're in the National League North? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that's the, the Oxford City preview. I'm, I mean, I'm looking forward to it. I think... I think there'll be goals. Um, so I'm going to go with a free two. Um, if, I mean, we know teams are going to be able to score against us um, playing the way we do. Um, it's a new ground for me. 
And uh, yeah, just looking forward to going to Oxford. Going to do University Parks Park Run in the morning and then find a pub. Next up, or what I've put put down is just kind of a weird week where we've had Torquay United and Rochdale have have some some weird situations. So we had Torquay put into administration, um, and the Rochdale owner, um, what's his name, Simon Gage, um, came out and said they're on the brink of liquidation if they don't find new investors by the end of March. So pretty pretty wild week in the, in those kind of things. Um, anyone want to come in on that? Um, Ash, I'll come to you first if you've, if you've got any thoughts on on the week that we've had. It shows how um, there is a need for either football money to come down the pyramid a lot more or clubs to be held more responsible for the money that's going in and out of the club. Um, because this isn't the first, obviously, this season. Torquay, um, my housemate is from Torquay. I've been there a few times. I know how important football is to the town there. Um, and obviously Rochdale in our division, so it can show it can happen to any of us. Um, the solution, I wouldn't know the solution, but there's got to be a solution because you put more money down, clubs will spend more. That's the problem that we have. So I don't know if there's a way of looking for FFP for making sure that the clubs are sustainable within this divisions. I think it's a call and a wake-up call for all the clubs to look at it. Um, yeah, I just don't want to see any club in that position, really. Obviously, all the shots been in that position before. Um, and yeah, just yeah, it's just a sad day when both of those clubs at the same time came on the news. Yeah, yeah, you say that about kind of the the, uh, the money trickling down uh, tomorrow or uh, as this podcast goes out, the uh, Premier League and um, Football League are getting together to talk about a new deal. Um, so if they come to an agreement, then that's great. If they don't, we've got to wait two more weeks for them to meet again and uh, hopefully come to some agreement on how much they're going to get. Um, yeah, uh, Joe, any any additional thoughts from you? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I live down in Devon. I know quite a few Torquay fans. Um, it's desperately sad, really, what's going on there. Um, it's kind of been, obviously, not with the clear sort of um, administration for a while, but it's been a lot behind the scenes bubbling, a lot of discontent with Gary Johnson um, sort of staying as long as he has. Um, it's been a bit of an in-club. Um, there's always been just sort of not... People have not been really sure what's going on, um, but the owners was been uh, has been quite unpopular for a while, and um, obviously there was a lot more going on behind the scenes, and uh, the reasons for the administration aren't fully yet yet clear. Uh, but I'm sure a lot will come out um, in the future, um, and we might find out a bit more. But uh, it's desperately sad, and I just hope that um, they can raise the funds they need to stay above board. Um, I th- I, there's been some lovely stuff um, on social media um it can be positive sometimes i think football really comes together saw a really nice post from um weymouth the other day saying they were sort of donating some proceeds from their away gate receipts uh, for talking and things so so um, yeah it's really really good and obviously us as older shop fans it it always hits a bit closer um because yeah, it's obviously it's happened to us, um, and the worst did happen. So yeah, I just hope for Torquay and for uh, Rochdale as well. What a, that's a massive ex football league club. Um, that I didn't didn't know much about what was going on there, so I was really really quite shocked by that one actually. Um, I don't know the full details, so I just hope both of those clubs can can pull themselves up and um and survive. 
Yeah, yeah, I was I was having a look into it. There was there's been sixty teams that have gone into administration since ninety two, um, which is kind of where the government's starting on their um, need to get in a, a kind of regulator, independent um, in there. Um, I'll put I'll put a couple of links in the show notes um, for the Price of Football podcast. They spoke to the Rochdale owner because um, he's he, he's not kind of a you know one of these owners that's. Uh, ruining the club kind of thing he's he just needs in new investors because they're kind of 100 percent fan owned so they need to change the share structure um listen to it because they they know more about finance than than anyone um so i'll put that down in the uh in the show notes um julian and any any thoughts from your side yeah uh quite a few thoughts actually i've, I've got some really strong views on this because um uh, i used to come from a financial background so I've worked in finance for, for quite a few years and at one stage I was uh, I was looking after um, managers players agents uh, managing their money for them so you know I know what uh, money a lot of these players are on um, you know without mentioning any names then there's at least two managers in the National League that are on 200 grand a year and the players, uh, even the agents, are, are on an absolute fortune as well. So, for me, I get really frustrated when when these supporters say, "Oh, the Premier League should drip down the money," because I think Ash mentioned it earlier. You know, if if these clubs get an extra two hundred thousand, they will just spend it, um, and they'll buy. They'll be looking to buy success, and it's all about risk and reward, and and they're looking to you know to to get that next step up. So. The problem isn't is nothing to do with uh, Premier League not handing out any money. It's it's the level of money that these players and managers are on at step five. So the the other issue as well is is the owner's agenda. You know, every owner's got a different agenda, and I think Joe, with regard to the Torquay one, you, know, you mentioned about the owner there. It sounds to me as if he was always looking to to sell the ground and to to build on it and to make some money and then and then leave so you know our our chairman's had a lot of stick but to be fair to him you know look where we are now so you, you've got to give him some credit for what he's done um but yeah for me we've got to sort out these these ridiculous wages that these players are on um you know, as I said, I, I looked after two managers that are now in the National League. They're earning 200 grand a year plus bonuses on top as well. So it's just not. Um, and, and that's National League. You know, again, I was looking after players and managers in the Football League that are earning more than that. And it's just not sustainable. So that that's that's me off my soapbox. Sorry, Will. I just had to say that. I <laughs> know. No, no. If, if you've got financial background, we need. We need we do, sometimes if someone could look into older shots accounts at some point when they when they get come out, that would be great. Um, can I just say, Will, can I just yeah, say, ahead. I think a lot of it is is ownership structure as well. And um, obviously, I've mentioned before, I live in the West Country and I'm, I'm just a stone throw from Exeter. And um, if anyone knows much about Exeter City's um, ownership structure, it's, it's they are 100% fan owned and um, living within their means is what is so um successful about their model at the moment obviously they've just gone up to league well it's their second season in league one and um some of the fans get frustrated that they can't bring in some of the players they want but what they are really successful at the moment is they're just about surviving in the league um but they are living within their means and bringing on academy players and um 
yeah, just the way they run the club at the moment is so admirable. Um, it's the sort of team I watch sometimes when I can't get to the shots. Um, and yeah, it's a very, very different feel to how the fans um, think about their club. Um, and there's a very different voting structure, trustees. It's, it's just so much more secure. Um, how high that can take them, because also they still want to live within their means. It would be interesting to see. But um, yeah, there's there's definitely different ways of going about it. Yeah, so so I think it's really interesting to understand yeah, every club has an expectation. And, um, you know, you were mentioning there, Joe, about Exeter. And I think they are probably where they are best placed. You know, that, that that's their expectation, probably being a, a League One team that, that is capable of challenging. But, um, you know, I was, I was interested with, with Crystal Palace this week because all their fans are getting really upset. Yeah, they they should be thankful. I think that they're they're a Premier League team, you know. And I always remember. Obviously, I'm a bit older than most of you guys, but you know, Charlton Athletic were in a similar position twenty twenty five years ago. I think it was, and their supporters were moaning about being a mid table Premier League team. And you know, it's that old saying: be careful what you wish for, because um, they handed out the manager, and you know, look, look where they are now. So. I think with all of this talk, it's it's important to think about your expectation uh, of your team. And and again, you talk to every old shot sporter and, and they'll have a different expectation. Um, you know, I, I'm, again, from the older generation, I think we should be a, an EFL team. Uh, you speak to perhaps a few younger ones and and they'll think, well, actually, we're at the right level now. So, so it's a, probably another another full podcast discussion, Will. Oh, absolutely! If if you start talking about older shot, then we're uh, then we will be here forever. I think. Um, yeah, I was just going to mention that the talky thing. I read a good article by Daniel Story, just kind of summarising all the kind of what the rumours, let's say, about what's going on with Torquay. Um, I don't think anything concrete has come out about their owner, but I think people can make make um, assumptions. Um, so I'll put that in the show notes as well. And um, yeah, I flicked on Talksport just as like the news was kind of breaking and Charlie Baker was on there. Um, he also talked to Daniel Story on there, but he, he said, uh, talking about finding a new owner, that the dream is the Wrexham situation. Uh, the reality is the Oldershot situation. Um, and then mentioned that Oldershot went out of business after 66 years, made a Phoenix club and are doing well in the National League. Um, so yeah, that's, as we were kind of mentioning, I think just off the, I don't think we were recording about kind of natural, where do, where do we naturally sit? And I always see Torquay and Oldershot as very similar, very similar little positions in the in the world. Great. Another, um, another question would be, you know, would you prefer to be at the top end of the National League fighting promotion or would you be preferred to be at the bottom of the AFL uh, fighting relegation every year? And again, you speak to Oldershot supporters and they'll all have a different view on that. Yeah, well, it's exactly the same when we were dangling over the relegation zone to go down there was i mean i i got to a point where i was so apathetic of watching old shot in the national league that i just wanted to be winning games again so i put myself in that court where i just wanted to win i saw talkie and woking do it and i thought that looks so much fun going to chippenham yeah <laughs> grand right uh any other business uh since we last recorded gateshead away the replayed uh, postponed game due to the FA Trophy has been rescheduled for the Tuesday after Hartlepool um, so two two big away days um, the tour of duty 
up in Hartlepool on the Saturday and then Gateshead, who are almost certainly going to be in the playoffs away um, on the Tuesday. Um, so it's kind of thrown up the the question of who's staying up in in the north, who's venturing up north twice, which, I mean, fair play to you because that's like 12, 14 hours of travel in four days or so. Um, so, yeah, Ash, I'll come to you. What are your thoughts on the, I, I mean, even in the football perspective, playing Gateshead at that late in the season as well? How are you feeling about those? Gateshead away is never a good trip for us, as in like geographically, let alone on a Tuesday night, straight after Hartlepool away. Um, I'm one of these people who are going up, down, up, down, because I've run out of holiday. I want to go and watch the football. So um, I'm going up on the Friday for the tour of duty, coming back down on the Saturday, heading back up on the Tuesday, coming back down and then working on the Wednesday. So it's going to be a tough one for me. It's going to be a tough one for the team as well too. I think the Gateshead one is a real step of bar where where we sit and what and how what we can expect in that playoff picture. Um, and I don't think Hartlepool will be easy either. So, but yeah, it's one of these that I'm still confident we'll have the support up there for both. Um, I know a few people that are going up on the Friday, staying the weekend in Hartlepool, Newcastle area. And then going to the Gateshead game on the Tuesday, that seems like a logical choice, but I kind of haven't got that old logical choice to, to my disposal. Um, yeah, but it should be a good two games. Um, I'd like to say we get, I think if we come away with four points out of those two, that'd be in a very good position. Um, anything less than that, you're starting to look at, we're going to start relying on other teams, beating other teams, I think. Yeah, and I suppose our, our, our home games in between those, before we get to... In, in March, basically, are going to be vital for where we sit before we get to those. Um, and what about you, Joe? What are you feeling about those those two heading up to both, seeing it, seeing the either of them? Uh, there's some things as a full time teacher I physically cannot do. Um, and gets to uh, Hartley Pool and then get well Hartley Pool on a Saturday morning from Devon on a Friday night is and then uh, and then skip two days of my job. To, um, can't really get away with it. So uh, thank the Lord for National TV, National League TV, um, whatever quality of stream that may be. Um, interestingly, very varied depending on um, uh, who's streaming it. The shots one, our home ones are pretty good, actually. The cameraman seems to be relatively awake, um, although there's some away games I've watched um, where you've just looked at the corner flag for about five minutes and then occasionally sort of drifts to the other corner flag, zooms in, zooms out. So, um, yeah. Uh, I'll be watching via that, that medium. Um, but yes, a really tough couple of games up north. Um, it could be a joyous couple of games or it could be an incredibly miserable couple of games. But let's uh, let's hope it's joyous. But two really tough places to go. Fair play to the Shots fans going up to Gateshead because um, even at the ground, you're still actually about three miles from the pitch. So um, yeah, bring your binoculars. Yeah, it's about as close as Oxford City Centre to Oxford City's ground as well. We'll come to you, Julian. <laughs> what are your thoughts on on those, you know, those two big clashes away up north? Yeah, f- first, um, hats off to Ash. That's uh, that's a real, a real good effort to do that backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards. Re- really impressive. Um, with regard to the two games, probably the toughest two away games that we could have together. So. You know, Hartlepool have picked up since they brought in Kevin Phillips, and that's that's going to be a tough one. Um, points wise, I would 
probably be happy if we can come away unbeaten. So if, if that means we just take two points, then actually I'd be all right with that. Um, but even a win and a loss, I guess, would be okay as well. So I'm not, not sure. But um, yeah, it's going to be a real tough few days for the players and the supporters and, and Ash. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, logistically for, for fans, I mean, if, I mean, I'm probably going to take, take the days off and just, just stay up there um, for, for, for annual leave. Um, but yeah, I wonder if the players are, I mean, I, w- I would assume so that that's their kind of vibe. They must have, I mean, Tommy's got to have contacts up there. So um, you'd hope he can find a, a lock to a 3G pitch or something to get the Tom, training. They can probably stay at Tommy's old house. He used to live, not far from there, do you? So yeah, exactly. You can show them around. It'll be you know it's ideal for the old shot documentary that's surely being made at the moment. She's going to show our glorious uh, playoff win. Um, great. And then uh, the only other thing I've got on any other business is Hadi Gandor um, scored again for Farnborough. He's got six goals in, I think, either nine appearances or nine games. I'm not sure if he's actually if he had a knock for some of those. Um, but great to see him in firing. He seems to be scoring a load of last-minute goals as well. So um, potential for him next season to to join up with the team. I don't know if there's a recall in it in that deal either. Is there? I'm not sure. Not sure. But I think the um, sure. we've got Hayley Gandor and um, Ollie Bray both out on loan in the Conference South. But I was just looking the other day, obviously Bray's at Turo, and then um, we mentioned the other week their ground showing with Taunton. But I was looking into it. They're, it's one of the worst pitches in the country and it's like all the games are postponed and they're ground sharing. It's this really bizarre situation right. where when Taunton had, had a home game for weeks, they then decided to have another team come and attempt to play on their pitch. So they've got double the amount of games on a pitch that wasn't actually playable. Um, so yeah, that's one of those weird non-league nuanced <laughs> stories that um, it's really bizarre. Great. Yeah, I'll, what was I going to mention about the Gateshead thing? I was just saying about the logistics because uh, Durham are playing Hampshire in the county championship in early early April. So that's, you know, alarm bells. Want to go and see that. Um, but it might not be on. Could be raining, could be windy. Um, so we're balancing up whether to go on the Friday or just gamble that there's going to be cricket on a Sunday, which is day four. So, uh, yeah, there's some cricket logistics that we need to sort out before booking anything up for Hartlepool or Gateshead. Great. Uh, we're going to end it there, I think. Um, so, yeah, hope, hope everyone has a lovely day out in Oxford on Saturday. Joe, how was the uh, stag weekend? Um, yeah, no, it was very good, thank you. Um, I don't remember a lot of it, um, but it was actually my, my best man did a pretty good job and um, it was remained relatively civilized we even did a wine tasting at one point um it's that was early on in the day lovely boat lovely boat trip through bristol and later in the evening and then uh it ended with some some bands um of varying genres that i can't fully describe to you so uh, (laughs) that'll do but it's a lovely time (laughs) my last night of freedom well spent (laughs) i've just just got this vision of a boat trip in bristol that's uh that must have been one hell of a messy trip well I'll leave the rest to your imagination (laughs) 